Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm just a little upset that there's not a Naked Brothers Band song that I can really jam out to during the end credits of this movie. Totally fits the vibe. Correct. I'm Am Alex. And I'm a pile of bones. Spooky sounds, spooky vibes. I'm Britain. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. You're getting a yeah. you're getting a double dose of sequels or frequels this week. Yeah. Talk to your doctor first. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. This might just be too much podcast for <laughs> twenty four hours. Um <laughs> Unless you already listened to the to the last episode before before I released this. Yes. And so uh, we're talking about Hereditary. Yeah, if you listened to the last episode and thought, I don't think these boys have had their fill of th- about stories about things being passed down in families and also kid death. Um, sure. We are, we are following it up. <laughs> Thematically the same, I, mean, I think. Uh, yeah, this is the popular film franchise we're talking about this week after uh, talking about the popular film franchise Game of Thrones uh, for the past couple months or so. Uh, and, we, you know, just it's a spooky movie. Wanted to do a spooky movie for a spooky podcast. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with our Spooky Buddies podcast, no. which you guys done but that's a different series in september <laughs> yeah so for this week just call us dialer al hex and bitten it's very like simpsons treehouse of horror it is vibes going on it, yeah i'm on board with this Ooh. um alex are you prepared with the scores for the first time and and the scares a while i prepared with the scares as well I, and I the am. scares scores scare as we say on here come the sequel scare hereditary <laughs> no, it's, it's already a scary movie for it you know? <laughs> don't give it any ammo <laughs> anyways hereditary directed by ari aster from 2018 it has an 89 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 67 percent audience score sounds right it's a film <laughs> discuss <laughs> Written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Uh, <laughs> but it should have been written by Dave Hill. Am I right, guys? Oh, my. And, and directed me. by Miguel Sapochnik, though maybe not because this movie's mostly set at night. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> We're just trying to throw in as many, many things as we can. We're still kind of detoxing. Yeah, exactly. Um, from... We're clearing it out of our system. We haven't. We haven't done that much of one franchise since, like, the MCU or maybe James Bond. Yeah. Um, and and I know that you know, James Bond we took breaks in, so, like... Correct. Uh, anyway, um, yes, we're back to doing best and worst things, not episodes. Oh, yeah. I gotta come up with a best and worst thing on the spot here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, can, I can try to go first, unless, Alex, you have something. Do it. Um, no, go ahead, Bryn. So... Uh, spoiler, I really, really like this movie a lot. Um, if I haven't mentioned it on the podcast before, I'm a big fan. I, I really think this is one of, was one of my, like, horror, like, gateway movies that when I was first starting to get into horror, because I'm a fairly recent, like, convert, that it was, like, this Mm -hmm. and Bone Tomahawk, which is not really a horror movie-ish. And then you're, like, Jordan Peele movies and, and, uh, Quiet Play, stuff like that. 
But uh, so I have a lot of best things. I'm just gonna go with maybe an obvious one, which is Tony Collette. It mm-hmm. she's amazing. She's incredible. Like it, she's already like such a great actor in everything. Um, it's so easy to forget that she's Australian <laughs> because she's so good at American accents. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a performance where she just throws everything at the camera and it works so perfectly. Um, and she should have been nominated for an Oscar. That's my opinion. Um, it's a really well-acted movie overall, but I think she's just head and shoulders, mm-hmm. no pun intended, um, above everybody. And I guess my worst thing, I mean, I by the end of the movie, or excuse me, by the end of our conversation, I might have dis- like unearthed a like troubling element of the movie. So I don't, I don't know if I have like a definitive worst thing, except maybe just the shot of the child's head with like ants crawling all over it. Like (laughs) after it's already, and that'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, Oh, come on movie. I already knew you don't have to show (laughs) it to me. That's really gross. I didn't know about the ants. Uh... That's true. The, and the ants are, Part of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway, I have a lot of good things to say that's about a, this movie. That's a little Julie David too. Pumpkins SNL skit reference for uh, for all y'all SNL heads out there. In case you had any questions. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> Who wants to go next? I can go. Um, I, I think my best thing is just going to be general atmosphere and really just effective horror storytelling um i to be honest like i haven't seen that many of uh, probably the the more modern horror films Mm. like the sinister movies or paranormal activity but a lot of those movies are set like in a very like mundane just like it's a house um and it's just kind of a normal family that's experiencing a haunting and I feel like this movie is that concept done correctly. Yeah. Um, not not that I'm going to completely, like, you know, criticize the Paranormal Activity movies because I haven't really watched them. I kind of just know kind of the stigma that's kind of attached to them or, or kind of the sinister movies or things like that. Um, but I just like how effective this movie, you know, it's just really, really great in terms of, like, it's just a house and it's super terrifying. Yeah. Like the last 15 20 minutes of this movie is terrifying. Um mm-hmm. I don't know, I just I, I can't really put my my finger on what exactly it is about the atmosphere, but it's just something about it. It's just so so effective. Um in terms of a worse thing, that's really tough to say as well. I kind of, I kind of agree with Britain. Um I, you know, I, I'm not sure I have a worse thing this time. Not one that sticks out anyway. I mean, everything just kind of worked for me. Um, this is the second time I've seen the movie. Um, I, I did comment in our group chat that this is a movie that I love, and but, but I only feel okay watching it like once every five years. Yeah. And now I've watched <laughs> it twice within the span of like four months. Oh wow! So, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um. It's it's definitely a lot of movie, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I don't really have a worse thing at the moment. Maybe my mind will change as we we kind of discuss, but I don't have anything right now. Yeah, I had not seen this beforehand, 
Um, and I've also, you have both seen Midsommar, mm-hmm. I should yep. clarify. I have not seen Midsommar Correct. either, so this is my, my first viewing of an Aster uh, movie. Um, an, a- an Ari Aster joint? Yeah. <laughs> Flick. Um, I, I've seen, like, I have seen the, the Peel, Jordan Peel movies, um, seen the, the Happy Death Day movies. Sure. Uh, and if there ever, there is ever a third one, I will definitely attempt to make us uh, watch that for this podcast. Yeah, I really want to see that series. Um, Isn't there a third one coming out? Next. I think they talked about recently. I think it was like Dead in the Water, and then recently they were kind of like, oh, maybe we will do a third one. Which well, what, nice. What's that movie with Vince Vaughn? Isn't that Happy Death Day 3? Is it? I don't know. No, you're thinking of Dodgeball. Okay. <laughs> That's <is> possible. <laughs> Yeah, dodgeball too. <laughs> dodgeball. No, there's. It's a crossover with Happy Death maybe, Day. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. There's a there's a movie coming out that had like a similar premise, except it was like a serial killer switches bodies with with like a girl. Are you thinking and, of and Vince uh, Vaughn as the serial killer? You're thinking of Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining that movie, but it's it's. Uh, Instead of Jamie Lee Curtis, it's Vince Vaughn. Seems good. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, those are two two types of horror movies that are very different into the spectrum. So the second one is like almost not even a horror movie, but uh, I like Get Out quite a bit. I, I think by the time I'd watched it, it'd been a little overhyped to me, but I uh, quite enjoyed Us, and that yeah. is probably like my personal standard for for like movies I've seen recently that are supposed to be a little more spooky um and i this one did not really connect with me um on a lot of levels <laughs> and maybe sure. maybe we'll have to unravel this a bit maybe I'll, I'll i'll get some more appreciation for it as we talk it through um because we haven't really done a lot of discussion about like the actual content of the film uh before the podcast which is something we do sometimes uh i think my best thing is the the lighting um mm-hmm. the yeah. usage of lighting in this movie because I think there's a lot of brilliant stuff there. Uh, everything to do with uh, Charlie's treehouse, whenever it's lit up, they, they'd use different colors to light that up and like the way that shines. And like, sometimes there's like this red glow reflected in Peter's eyes. That's cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff uh, going on with the way they use light. Obviously the end is, is quite dark um, and it uses that very effectively to build up tension. There's a really great scene and we we always mention that we're a full spoiler podcast. This really is like a movie yeah. that you should not watch, or you should not get any information beforehand if you plan on watching it. Like, however, I a lot of it was spoiled for me sure. going into it, and I still loved it. So sure, and I, maybe like you know your results may vary. I'm just saying, like if you want an effective, yeah, uh, personal experience with this movie, I would say make sure to. Uh, try to go in blind if if it's something on your radar because it's very strange. And, yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, think it's it it's has the, a lot of stuff. It, it's the kind of movie that I think still stands well, knowing what happens, but at the same time, like because so much of it is about unraveling, and as you're going deeper into the story, like that is a really fun part of that first experience. Yeah. The and the only reason I would say you may want to like do some research is because of some of the imagery is very grisly. Yes. I mentioned child head earlier. So like 
Yes. That's the only... But even that, you could probably find out to, to some degree without spoiling yourself. But anyway, yeah. So there's yeah. there's been your warning. Yeah. So I say all that to say at the end of the movie, uh, we have Peter walking around in like almost complete darkness to where you almost can't really see anything. Um, we get one flash of, of a white rope that is apparently, as, as we learned, uh, his mother, um, Tony Collette running around and being spooky. Um, and then <laughs> there's... in the walls? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Is there's a that specific shot. Freak me out, man. He, he walks out downstairs, and this is kind of a nice usage of the uh, geography of the house. He walks downstairs into, the, like, the open area where you've got all the windows and everything, and you can see light outside. Like, I don't know if... I mean, it's still nighttime, but it's it's just, I guess, kind of uh, some moonlight, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's not completely dark. And so you get this haunting grayish blue light where you can see more, but it's freakier because Tony Collette is hiding up in a corner of the rafters uh, and, you know, you got that going on. Um, so I think that there's there's a lot of really effective stuff uh, where they use or where Ari Aster uses lighting to um, create some real good tension and imagery and, and just really uh, scare you up. Um and so that, like, was something that specifically uh, stuck out to me. Like, the movie, it, the entire movie is very well-crafted. But that in particular, I was like, okay, this is what I'm really resonating with as I'm watching, is that these are these are the times where I am getting reinvested in the movie after, at certain times, being so just, like, not connecting with it that I was like, I don't really know what's happening, and I'm having a hard time sticking with the characters. Um, they're... The, especially, like, that last act where it reaches the point where it's like, okay, now I'm invested again because I don't want to be scared myself. Sure. And the movie is, <laughs> is trying to scare me. Yeah. And now, I, now I'm invested because, like, just the construction of the scene is is very creepy. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, it does a great job using uh, lighting and, and shots to create uh, a lot of contrast and to hide things in the shadows and, and only show you what you need to see. Really, really great job of that. The visually, the movie is is fantastic. Um, the my worst thing, I think overall is the combination of ideas used here to the point that I felt it was hard for me to grasp of what exactly I was supposed to be feeling from this in terms of uh, realism. Um, because at times I was kind of like, okay. So is the idea that Tony Collette is, you know, doing all this while she's sleepwalking, and then also she is running around and flying basically at the end and hovering, and her body floats up into uh, the treehouse in a just incredibly horrifying image. Yeah. Um, and so there's uh, towards the end, I was getting very, I was having a very hard time keeping track of like, am I supposed to? Or I guess I, I understand what the, that the movie is like venturing completely into supernatural mm -hmm. areas, like she's possessed by a demon or, or something. Freakiness is going on, um, but it, because of that, it made the cult stuff land uh, less well. Mm. Um, like I basically, the, the, it felt like the movie was combining some realistically terrifying stuff and some supernaturally terrifying, terrifying stuff in a way that kind of made neither impact me as much as it could have. Gotcha. Um, and I think that just kind of speaks to a lot of my problems with the movie that I had was uh, trying to figure out what the movie was saying to me or what the movie, not even what it was saying to me, but the philosophy of the movie. Mm. Um, 
what what I should have taken away from it. Obviously, not every movie has to have like a moral <laughs> or a meaning or anything. That's not really what I mean. Um, but just like it's a movie that is so heady and like mind manipulative <laughs> that I I was feeling like I should be it should be evoking a, a stronger uh, emotional response and like thematic response for me that I was not really jiving with. Yeah. So, well, we we can we can get into it and uh maybe maybe you'll have some insights that that help me grasp a little more what I what I watched. Um I, I, I as like a starting point for the conversation, uh I messaged you guys that I very much felt like this was uh a movie directed by David Lynch who had just so much hatred for his fellow man. <laughs> um like that <laughs> was very much a vibe I got of just like and that again kind of mixes into things of the like the spookiness of having some sort of more magical um hellish i guess demonic stuff going on uh it I felt like it didn't come across strongly enough like what was possible maybe in this in this mm. plot um and so whereas with like a, a David Lynch movie where there's just constant like oh, that's weird and dreamlike and doesn't, like, make any sense. Um, at least in, not in all of his works, but in a lot of his works. Uh, the, this one, for me, I found myself questioning more, like, how much I'm supposed to buy into the, the hard realism of the, the plot versus the, what, what's going on with uh, a woman floating... The, and and cutting her head off with like a wire, I guess. Yeah, it's like a piano wire. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know. A, a lot, lots of of mixed feelings for me on this one. <laughs> so, would you say that? Well, that you were also that you were you having trouble figuring out what was literally happening and what was sleepwalking, memory, or dream sequence, and was it? Was that part of this maybe where you're like, okay, is this like – because I mean I think at the end all – I think at the end it's all literal. Like she is actually possessed right. by a demon and floating up and all of that is like – Yeah. Yeah. And up until that point I think he was trying to make us go, uh, we know she's sleepwalking. Is, is this yeah. real? And I think it was really at the – when she has the seance with Ann Dowd, that's really where it like, oh, there's actually something. This is actually – Right. And, yeah. I, and I think around the seance is where I started to be like – I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm following you, Mr. Esther. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just because, yeah, I think it works effectively. Like, I like that early on we've got her sleepwalking around, and it's kind of like, oh, is she trying to strangle her kid in his sleep? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, making it pretty clear that, oh, she's she's up to stuff and doesn't realize that she's sleepwalking while she's doing it. Um, and then once we got into the seance stuff, I was kind of like, okay, so what? <laughs> how does this tie in? Mm. And, and again, it, it wasn't so much that I, I have necessarily a problem with bringing that in or that I wasn't able to follow when we were clearly like out of that realm and into the full realm of, of the magic. It, it was just the combination of the fact that so much of it is like psychological horror. Sure. And then we we draw into more of the um, actual threats to the well-being because mm -hmm. uh, there are people flying around and guys getting set on fire. Right. Uh, magically and such <laughs> so D didn't see that coming 
The dad getting set on fire. Nope. (laughs) Was not expecting that. He just wanted to have a nice dinner. Even the second time watching it, I was like, oh, Tony Collette's (laughs) sacrificing. Oh, my God. (laughs) And that was also um, something where I was a little confused about because at first I was like, oh, so maybe she... She's. This is how she's picturing this happening, but she actually set him on fire. Maybe that's what happened. Oh, uh, I see. I see. It seems like that's not well, that's, really what happened. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I for e- even the first time watching it, and maybe this is because I knew kind of mm-hmm. what happened towards the end. Um, I, I I didn't really have any issues like figuring out that that most of it was, you know, on a story level was was to be taken literally. Right. Yeah, and I think that, that, like, that's an interesting read. The cue is because you know earlier in the movie she tries to burn the journal and like her sleeve catches yep. on fire, and then and obviously then later Peter, when he wakes up, before he gets possessed, finds uh, Stephen's body all 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 burned yeah. up. Um, right. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Because a lot of movies, a lot of psychological horror movies, the horror is based in. Is this really happening, or is it all in her head? What's going on? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? And this movie, which I, I can totally see how this would be off-putting, for me it kind of works that's like, oh, there's uncertainty about, is there something else going on, or is this just a a tragic family with, with a tragic history of mental illness? Oh, it's demons. And then it yeah. commits to demon stuff, and it becomes, for me, it became even scarier after that point mm. um but i can totally see how that yeah for some people would feel like kind of a jarring like wait wh- which one are you doing yeah yeah and yeah it, not so much necessarily i to me it's it, it's it's not so much the confusion as it is the usage of both okay at the same time and it was kind of like sure conflicting um yeah i think that's the that's probably the better way i can put it it's just like I was I, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be scared of. Gotcha, gotcha. Because <laughs> there that, are many scary things in the movie, and I was trying that, to. I'm really gonna be curious how you feel about Midsommar then, um, because I remember it, it seemed to me that that there wasn't so much criticism lobbed at this movie for kind of the blending of elements. Mm-hmm. But I remember with Midsommar, a lot of people complained about kind of what thematically that movie is about versus the horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause uh, Ari Aster seems to like to go with like a, a relationship or, or some kind of thematic tie with, with the main characters. And then that's kind of where the horror, like the horror just kind of comes in from another direction and just yeah. kind of knocks into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I am curious how you're going to react to Midsommar cause that, this similar criticism was lobbed at that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Having only seen Midsommar once, I don't remember. I, I'll have to give my two cents on that when, you know, whenever I watch it again. But I think that I think for Hereditary, it works a little bit better for me because it, okay, it's, it's kind of a trope in horror movies to. Obviously, there's a lot of, like, possession movies and exorcism movies and stuff like that. But there are also a lot of horror movies that use insane asylums and mental patient wards. And that's obviously very problematic because it's this suggestion that, like, mentally ill people are actually crazy and are going to stab you. And one of the things I like about this movie is that while the mental illness family drama stuff is taken very seriously, it's not treated as this is an evil thing. 
but rather it's saying, oh, mental illness isn't the problem, it's demons. And I think he, I think our Aster takes the, you know, people talk, people with mental illness talk about their demons, like, oh, I've got my demons or my anxiety or my depression or whatever. And he's like, okay, I'm going to make it a literal demon <laughs> that like, Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the angle he's going with. He wants to externalize thematically yeah. what, what our characters are dealing with. Yeah. And that's that's what he does in Midsommar as well. And, and that it's you know, um, being called hereditary is like you inherit, your family has a history yeah. of illness and then you inherit it. And in this, mm-hmm. Tony Collette literally inherited this this whole devil thing. Well, yeah, devil thing from her, yeah. her mom without knowing it, of course. Yeah, mischief king. I <laughs> mischief think... king, thank you. I think once I realized that it was kind of expanding beyond mental illness um, and kind of, like I said, kind of externalizing and getting getting much weirder, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. For some reason, that, that worked for me. I, I like how the movie, like, it slowly creeps into the supernatural, and then it just loses its mind. <laughs> yeah, I remember my, my sister saw this. My sister's the horror buff in the family, and she just raved about it. And, and she, like me, takes mental illness depiction in movies very seriously if anyone listened to our episode on on joker i have a lot of things to say mm-hmm. and and I, I, I look look britain we live in a society okay? <laughs> so true um <laughs> we're all just gamers in society but i, I think that uh I, I think that's something that I, I think is kind of neat about this movie that he manages to sidestep that that trope of like mental illness makes you dangerous and turns it yeah. into well, it, 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 I'm using all of these demons as a kind of a metaphor for those things in a way, but also, I mean, the thing about both this and Midsommar is that both of those movies could be just dramas that aren't, like, this could just right. be about a family dealing with grief, and and it would right. still, it would still work, you know, Um and, and I, yeah, for some people that, that the fact that it's also a horror movie could certainly be like, so wait, what? Or and and for me it 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 it, uh, it totally worked. Um, Tyler, uh, did you have? I know you said you had some questions or some concerns. Did you have like like muddling things in the plot that maybe didn't make sense that we could help clear yes. up for you? Uh, for, first, I was gonna say it's funny that you mentioned Joker because I actually feel like I don't think I I came out of Joker and I was like a lot happier with Joker than I ended up being after like our rewatch again. With me as well, you can go back and listen to that. Um, and th- this is a, a better movie than Joker. But, um, no, I'll, I'll put that up. Oh, what a hot take. Yeah. Hereditary um, is better than Joker. Which I guess Tyler is a, laying down not, not the only, law. Are there any questions? Not only, I guess, is it is it a hot take, but also, or it is a hot take, but also, like, I don't think anybody would compare those two That's movies. True. Except for, <laughs> no, for just me, all. like, finding the what I'm about to say. Um, because... First of all, they're, they're, on the most superficial level, there is a shot of her when she's going to Joni's, and she's wearing all white, so she mm. it's, like, similar to, like, a, a mental patient, like, gown. Oh, true, true. And she goes in there, and the hallway looks exactly like the hallway from the end of Joker. Oh, wow. Uh, but then also, the it again ties back to the fact that, like, with Joker, I was very confused about what I was supposed to take away and what it was the movie was actually trying to tell me. That movie is a lot more explicit about, like, wanting to say things but not actually having anything to say Mm. um so that's a little bit different but on the same level i found myself confused by what i was supposed to take away and then you know i talked about with joker the flash or not flashbacks the um fake like memories where it was all in his head yeah that stuff really confused it for me 
I think this was kind of similar. Again, this movie is more explicit about it. This movie does not have any of those problems to the same degree as Joker. But I, I kind of came away with a similar feeling after the last time I watched Joker, uh, where I was just kind of like, I don't know exactly yeah. how wh- how much I, I got sure. <laughs> about that movie. Sure. Um, the, the biggest plot thing for me that really threw me off, and it wasn't a thing that... I want to lay it out because maybe I missed something mm-hmm. before it became clear to me. But basically, early on in the movie, uh, in a horrifying scene that I actually think is, is really interesting for them to do this early. Like, I think that's a cool twist. Um, where Peter uh, is driving Charlie home, and she's got the peanut allergy, and so she's sticking her head out the window to try and breathe, and then she hits a light, uh, a telephone pole because he swerves for some roadkill and ends up killing her childhood uh and then after that he comes back and he just like parks and goes upstairs and and lays on his bed and like tries to sneak past his parents and then we hear tony collette discovering her body the next morning and i never it took me a very long time to figure out what tony collette and husband uh, G- gabriel Byrne. well i was just thinking well, oh uh, steven the... steven Steven, yes, Steve. Uh, it took me a while to figure out what they thought had happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, she goes to, like, they don't have a confrontation between Peter and Annie. They they show her, Annie is, like, breaking down, uh, saying, like, I can't take this, this is awful. And Peter's, like, staying, sitting in the hallway, like, looking sad, yeah. listening to her, listening in on her. Um, they have her go to the uh, grief counseling meeting again. And this this is where Joan shows up. Uh, And then she tells Joan that her daughter was killed. And so I'm like, does she know Peter did it? Or does she think Mm. she was killed by like a serial killer? Like what's (laughs) like, I I genuinely did not know like what I was supposed to think she was thinking about this. And I kept not getting the confirmation of like, because to me it seemed really obvious that it was like oh they would they would figure it was Peter who did it, but like it, that feels like such a big thing to right. not have them have a conversation about until we get to a very excellent uh, scene between all of them at the dinner table where she starts freaking out at him and, and saying like I know it was an accident but you know I can't believe you yeah. like you know, are aren't apologizing or I can't forgive you you don't feel like you're you're taking responsibility. That's a good scene, and Tony Collette is great in it, and loses her mind, and it's horrifying because they're talking about the the death of their the youngest family member, and it's like that's yeah. But up until that point, I was not sure because there wasn't a confrontation up to that point, and because like sure. Peter never. Uh, I feel like that's something that I I could not understand why it wasn't telling me beforehand. Because then I feel like if it had just had earlier, and I guess maybe when it got into that scene, I was like, well, wouldn't this scene have happened earlier if they'd had to show us it? Like if they'd had to show Tony Collette confronting Peter about her dying, Mm -hmm. I feel like that would have had to happen then. And so like, I don't know how she got this far without screaming at him. (laughs) I don't know. I was, I was having a very, very hard time following that plot. And and following like maybe I just missed a scene where they like confirmed that's what they're thinking, but no, I mean I I think uh, yeah I, I actually yeah. no go ahead go ahead I was gonna say there is the one and Alex this is probably where you're going um 
there there is the one scene where she has the miniature set up, and so she's got the telephone pole. Uh, like she she set up Peter driving the car and the telephone oh, yeah. pole and and um. No, that's that's not actually what I was going to go for. Okay. Um, the first thing I was just going to say is I think I kind of like the fact that they don't have a direct confrontation mm-hmm. immediately because I actually think that's that's a more realistic way of handling it with this family that already has severe mental issues and doesn't want to face their trauma. Um, they're right. all just in shock. Um, and for me, I had enough just based on the visual language of Peter's car is out front. And that's where they find and, the daughter's body without the head, of course. But that's, I don't know. that that I, I had no confusion about that. Well, this was uh, another thing that I, like, and maybe they said earlier that it was specifically his car, but I was like, well, because Annie was going to take it. Yeah. And I don't think they refer to it as Peter's car. I think they just say. Yeah, because there's a scene where he asks. Or, I, yeah, it might just be the family car. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the, again, that was like, what, how, like. And again, I, I agree that it was like, oh, this should be obvious that it was uh, Peter. And I ju- basically, if they had had um, in the conversation between her and Joan, if she had just said, my my daughter was, was uh, killed, it, it was an accident, my son was driving. Like, if they just had that little tweak just so that I could know, okay... <laughs> Yeah. She understand they they do know what happened. There's not an open police investigation about <laughs> like how this went down. That was just the one thing that like, and I get and maybe I, the, there's a lot of things that I'm saying here that probably would work better now that I know what to expect if I watch the movie again. I don't hmm. necessarily yeah. want to do that anytime soon. Right, look, right. look, Tyler. Um, for me, it's Dothraki battle tactics. For you, I, it's dialogue about a child dying. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Equivalence. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that was one. And again, I think there were a few things like that that messed me up in being able to just enjoy and, and like invest in what's happening because I was so like, okay, but what are they? What are yeah. they thinking right now? Yeah. What, what's going through their mind? Do they know? Are they trying to figure this out? What's happening? Um, and so, like, I agree. It's nice that we don't get that actual confrontation until there's been a lot of tension and buildup. But I didn't know that I was supposed to be watching for tension building up in the sure, earlier sure, scenes because sure. I wasn't sure. That's if they so knew, weird. I wasn't sure if the tension was like Peter is trying because it kind of plays like Peter is trying to hide his secret that he, he it was his fault mm. because he's like losing his mind at school, like he's he's shaking and he's uh, the, like there's that scene where he's hanging out with his his friends under the bleachers and they're like, are you okay? Because he's just like looking weird and, and choking. Yeah. And he talks about how his throat's getting bigger. Like it feels like he's like rotting from guilt on the inside because he's not. Or at least when I was watching it, not knowing what I was supposed to be thinking. It felt like he was rotting from guilt on the inside because he was hiding this secret as opposed to just being, he's guilty because yeah. this horrible thing happened and it was basically his fault. Um, so again, I think it would play better if I watch it again, but there are just a lot of a lot of road bumps. Uh, and that was the biggest one, I think, gotcha. for me. Um, it was just like, that happened... And then from there, we go into the seance stuff, which, as I talked about, kind of threw me off track again. <laughs> so I, there, it was very hard for me to get into the movie it, outside of, like, the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes. Like, that, the, the middle section was not building in the way that I think it probably built for y'all and should have been building for me. Yeah, I, I, I also didn't have that confusion. But at the same time, 
I do understand what you mean. I remember the first time I watched it, I had to like stop the movie and go onto Wikipedia to read the plot to be like, do they actually just <laughs> behead that child? Is that is this real? <laughs> like I was so taken uh, aback by that. Um, yeah, I think it's in a lot of ways. I think it's a movie that rewards eventual revisiting because it's a movie that lays mm-hmm. a lot of breadcrumbs. Uh, Alex, this being your second time as well, did you catch some of those clues kind of early on? Like the uh, the telephone pole has the Pyman or Payman emblem hmm. scratched into oh, it. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, like um, as they're driving to the party, he's like the, it, it's you can't really see it for a while, but the camera kind of holds on the telephone pole and you see that's scratched in there. Yeah. Neat. And a bunch, uh, and like well, again, the opening scene where she before Tony Collette gives the eulogy, she's like, "There's so many new faces here." Like the mourners at her wake, or at the grandma's wake, or the cultists you see later. Yeah, and like one of, I, one it, of it was stu- it was stuff like that I noticed, and then just yeah, uh, obviously knowing ahead of time, like Anne Dowd it knew the grandmother and is in on the whole the whole yeah. thing um, that like completely uh, it gave a whole new context to. Every single one of her scenes. One of all the lines um, where, like, Charlie says, oh, Grandma wanted me to be a boy, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did yeah. I did reconnect that, because I remember that detail. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Yeah, it, um, and apparently one of Peter's friends from under the bleachers, the guy with the man bun, is, like, one of the cultists at the end as well. <laughs> That's, like, huh. interesting. Um, and also the fact that even before all the devil stuff, Peter's a very sweaty boy. <laughs> just mm-hmm. he's he's troubled at the beginning of the movie like the movie opens and he's like just a very unkempt lad yeah um <clears throat> which i guess is foreshadowing but uh <laughs> yeah that was something that kind of knocked me over the first time i watched it is realizing like they were having a lot of dialogue that the first time i watched it i was like oh this is just a family talking about their family troubles and then as they reveal more information about the fact that their grandma was trying to revive a, a hell demon and trying to, like, house that demon and first her son and then later her grandchildren, I realized, like, oh, all of those scenes had double meanings. Like, everything they were talking about early on, they were just setting everything – spoilers for Midsummer, Not really. It's telling me, like, everything at the beginning. Like, it's set, setting up the whole yep. thing. Charlie saying she wanted me to be a boy, and then Tony Collette's whole monologue and the grief counseling meeting about my brother accused my mother of trying to put people inside of him, quote unquote, and he was schizophrenic. And then mm-hmm. that, which might actually be the best single take of acting I've oh, it's ever amazing. seen. Maybe it is incredible. <laughs> like she hits so many different places in that. It like, even if you don't like spooky movies, if you just want to watch a scene of good acting, yeah. just watch her at the... I, is it technically an AA meeting? It's, it's some kind of... I mean, it's... it's no, a, it's I think just it's just a, a grief uh, support group, yeah. Yeah. Grief, grief counseling. counseling. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Okay. Yeah, she... It's... It is... I mean... Yeah, it is unbelievable. She's, she's an the way, actor. Yeah, the... It would be so easy to either play that as, like, insane person yeah. or... Uh, like comically chill mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. But she yeah. hits this very perfect line uh of like she's familiar with all this and she knows it's horrible but she like can't stop from saying all of it because like yeah. it's all spilling out cuz she 
wants people to talk to. And uh, yeah, it's very well done. It is such a hard thing in acting and a rare thing in acting to make crazed screaming seem like authentic and not just kind of silly. And Mm -hmm. a lot of horror movies, that's how it comes off sometimes on purpose and sometimes not. But the fact that she has all these sequences where, I mean, Annie is literally losing her mind, but it it always feels so real and honest. I mean, that's just talent. Like, (laughs) now now you mentioned comically chill. What did you guys think of Gabriel Byrne as Stephen? Because there are times in this movie where I thought (laughs) he's just kind of walking through, (laughs) walking through the day. He does have a beautiful sequence in a car where he breaks down, but like. I, yes, I I liked that because I, I like that we have the one person in the yeah. family who's kind of living in denial about mm-hmm. it. Sure. He's just like we're we're a normal uh, we're a normal American family, right? Yeah, and, and casts, that was I think another throws into like it makes it's a foil for Tony Collette in a way. Yeah, yeah, but that was I think another thing that threw me off a little bit about when Charlie dies is that like he we don't really see him react at all, mm-hmm. like we don't ever really get him grappling with that and obviously he's not like as nearly as important a character as andy or peter um yeah. but that would also would have helped me to be like how to how does he feel about this and right. like what does he think happened again going back to my problems with like i just i just want to know a lot. like i feel like a scene between him and peter would have mm. gone a long way for me Gotcha. If if they talked about it and like Peter admitted what happened or, or something like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, I do uh, think it helps a lot to have someone who is presenting the theory that uh, Tony Collette is just sleepwalking and doing mm-hmm. all this, and uh, you know everything is her fault. Like she dug up her mother, which maybe she did. I don't know. <laughs> I th- yeah, I I, th- I can't remember. I think that was probably the the coven that did that. That that's sure. what I assumed. Maybe so, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think it helps to have the the straight man um, for for most of the movie just being someone who like is trying to pretend like nothing is wrong. Yeah, uh, and then he gets horribly burned. Who kind of has to realize like, well, regardless of what I'm dealing with, my wife is clearly going to like completely dissolve if I don't like muster up right. some some type of foundation to right. to help her and his continued realizations that like she is a danger yeah. to everybody involved is, yeah. is good no definitely like yeah. the scene where he, i think the scene where he walks in on her having destroyed all her miniatures oh is, yeah is great like the way he plays mm-hmm. that yeah and and, and he, he's a, an irish actor and every now and again i could kind of hear the accent which is not a mm-hmm. criticism because like he can be Irish, and I don't need an explanation for, like, but how did an American marry an Irish person? That's not allowed. But, like, tell me, it, it, it just kind of, I just noticed it because, like, this is information I have about the actor. And, like, there's no hint that Tony Collette is Australian. There's no way for you to know hmm. that. Because mm-hmm. she is so, her accent is just so uh, perfect. Um, I, very often when I watch horror movies i think you know the stuff that really scares me in movies are the things that i think could conceivably happen in real life serial killers and you know human human to human cruelty is is scarier to me than like there's a crazy snake that's like fun scary 
I was really impressed with this. Again, the thing about, like, I find cults very scary because regardless of whether the thing they believe is real, they actually believe that it's real, and their willingness to go to whatever sure. lengths, that's scary. Their, their piety is scary. And in this movie, they managed to go, no, not only is their piety scary, but the thing is real, and the movie ends with a demon having, like, he's on Earth now. <laughs> he can just, like, <laughs> do what he does. Um, that whole sequence at the end is just, in every way, terrifying. That Charlie's head is on top of the thing, and that somebody put, or I guess maybe Tony Collette's body went there herself, but, like, she and the grandma's body are beheaded and, and knelt down. Do we know, I, I was having trouble this time around figuring out why she and the grandma are beheaded. Because it's Charlie's head on the the totem for payment. But, like, why did Annie and the grandma need to be beheaded? It, is it something, like, some symbolic thing of the, the previous generations have to kind of give up their souls or their yeah, minds maybe. or whatever for for this thing yeah. to, to happen for a newer generation? I don't know. Yeah, well, and there's a whole thing about how, like, Payman wants a male host, and that's why Charlie was so disturbed. It's because she was possessed, but Payman didn't want to be possessed in her body. Yeah. And then Payman does possess Annie later, obviously. So maybe it's one of those things that every time Payman's done with somebody, he's like, all right, well, we're just gonna... <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get rid of this one. Maybe so. Tony Collette, like, sawing her head off. Yeah. Like... Came out of nowhere for me. Like, I, I was already, like, on the edge of my seat, but just, like, getting to that point and, and you know, just getting into the attic because <laughs> they keep showing the attic, like, in short bursts. I'm like, mm-hmm. they're going to end up in the attic at the end, aren't they? <laughs> and then they did. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Let's <laughs> let's leave. Um, oh, yeah, but all those fun guys from the Christmas box are up there. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... I think maybe that's what helped me from kind of having the problems that you were having, Tyler, with sort of the way that the supernatural elements behaved in the movie. Because, yes, like, weird things happen. Like, people are, flo- people are floating. Uh, Tony Collette's, like, crawling on the walls. But the way it's shot, and particularly how the gore is handled, it, it felt very, very grounded and surreal to me. Um, so I-, I think that kind of violence and horror in movies is what gets me. As opposed to like, oh, it's it's uh, Jason. He yeah. stabbing. He's, he's stabbing, stabbing people. He, he he zips up a girl in a sleeping bag and bashes it against a tree. Yeah. Like it's I I, I don't care. Like that's, that's my not biggest scary. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that kind of stuff. Is um, gross, I don't know. There's, there's some it, particularly yeah. like just the piano wire. Like they could have done something else. Like just like yeah. a butcher knife or some piano wire. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, I made um, the comment to you guys while I was watching that uh, it's never good to see a caption <laughs> that just says uh, "flesh tearing and squelching." <laughs> uh, that's true, and that, that's <laughs> where that came in. Hmm. What did you guys think of all the the practical effects? Because I think there are some really brilliant uh, pieces yeah. of work in this movie. The the seance, I think. Uh, for me, it was a really brilliant sequence. I loved that that sequence, just from like a craft level. That so much of it is in one take, 
and like Andowd. Mm-hmm. Andowd's marvelous in this movie, but she's kind of funny in that scene where she's like, "Louis, right. Louis, it's me, Louis. I have your chalkboard. I have your chalkboard, Louis." <laughs> and uh, man, how bad a life did Louis must have? Must have had for a chalkboard to have been his favorite toy. <laughs> but anyway, this was another thing that kind of. I was not 100% sure about the Joan of it all and what was going on. I mean, they uh-huh. obviously they get to a point where they're like, okay, here's all the photo albums. She's with her mom. She's she's up to something. It's real freaky. Um, but they they show her at one point, uh, Annie is trying to get in, and they show the uh, uh, her table has a picture of Peter and, like, some. I think there are scissors stabbed into it. Right. Um and the, then that at that point, Annie realizes, oh, Joan has the same kind of, like, format as some other format she has in her attic or basically uh, yeah, whatever, the, the, and goes her, to get those. Yeah, that Joan and her mom were stitching the same patterns or the same kind of art yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's what leads her to look at the photo album. So that's all one thing. But <laughs> I was thinking, my, my first thought, and, the, and that scene kind of quickly dispelled that, but my first thought was, like, is... Is Louis actually... Because the first thing I thought when I saw that scene was that, oh, they're going to show Louis, quote-unquote, whatever this ghost is, has killed Joan. Gotcha. I thought that, I thought it was just going to be Joan was innocent. She got roped into the seance thing. She got murdered by the ghost she tried to revive. Um, and so that's not what happened. And then when I saw the thing of Peter's face there, I was like, okay, so is uh, the ghost going to like go after Peter now? Is that what's happening? Which is not. I thought the reveal was going to be that the evil pagan god they were trying to resurrect was named Louis. Sure, <laughs> also possible. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> Louis the Mischief King. It's like a children's <laughs> book. Um, uh, but then after, I think it's after that point, we see Joan on the other side of the street, and she's yelling something at Peter. Yeah, I and I don't you. know what she. Did there because at some point we get another thing where Peter the like flashy thing happens around yeah. Peter while he's walking in the hallway. I'm not I'm not sure. So I, I, I'm I sure think, what all happened there. I think that when she's yelling at him, she is trying to like make room in him for Payman. She's trying to like expel hmm. Peter from his body so that Payman can take over it. And then I think that light thing that is Payman. Um, and so maybe that's in the hospital as payment. Like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh, <laughs> he's not ready for me yet. We gotta burn up his dad <laughs> before and drag him up by an invisible string and slam him on the desk in a yep. very horrifying. Oh man, uh, scene. That was yeah. one of the more that end of the scene where he's looking in like the bookcase window or the bookcase glass, mm-hmm. and there's a reflection of himself smiling. Oh yeah. Um, in a way that's very, again, talking about, like with Tony Collette, how she could have veered very, you know, very easily gone in one direction or the other in terms of making it too comical or too, uh, you know, just over the top. Yeah. Um, it's a very, like, subtle smile that makes it creepier yes. because he's not just, like, grinning ear to ear. Right, right, right. Uh, it's just kind of like, this is upsetting because he's <laughs> not smiling 
and the glass is smiling. <laughs> yeah. And and there's um, more behind that type of a smile than if it were just some big rictus like Yeah. 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 I, um, I, I agree. That's a good smile noise, Britain. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's my smile fully. But I found those scenes effective. I was a little thrown off by the fact that it was very tropey in the sense that it's like, ah, Something's happening to this kid, and he right. stands up, and the, he's like, I have to go to the bathroom. The teacher wants to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, there there are a few things, like or like or at the beginning of the movie, um, one of the other kids snitches on him being on his phone, and the teacher's like, hey, answer the question, which is like a scene that you get in every high school movie. Right, right, um, right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there I, were a few um, things like that where I was kind of yeah. like, I feel like the movie should be doing something smart with this, that it doesn't really feel like it's... It's doing. So. I mean, that may have also just been Ari Aster being like, "And I need a button for this scene. I need a what's <laughs> yeah. what's, and what's maybe, this like way to close? Maybe the that's door. intentional. Maybe sure. he's trying to evoke something like that. But it, it threw me off a little bit. Yeah, I um, talking about the seance. I one of the things I find really effective about this movie is how good it is at making you scared or even uneasy without obviously scary imagery because obviously the last 20 minutes it's full of scary imagery it's beheadings and corpses Mm -hmm. and cults and naked people and it's just all kind of that but the the scariest thing in the world truly the scariest naked people naked senior citizens i mean that's so that's why they cast one of one of the uh the members (laughs) of the naked brothers band exactly to to go ahead and oh well you know if he's in it this is going to be a real scare fest (laughs) I, i mean um I, I, did did you did you both see the uh, what's what's the one that his brother was in the, the terrible Netflix uh, adaptation of a uh, what's it a kill book what oh is Death it? Note <laughs> Death Note there we go <laughs> yeah kill book kill book would be like the American translation of that yeah I mean <laughs> but yeah Death Note I did not see Death Note no sir oh. Well. Did you see? Apparently, it's bad. Oh, okay. Um, Apparently, I'm I'm shaking my head. No, that's not helpful for a podcast. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, uh, it's okay. I said kill book. I think that's the moment that won the night. So kill book is quite good. Um, Coming to PS5. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But what I find so moving, moving, so powerful about the the seance scene is that I mean, this is this beautiful tracking shot and. You know, Tony Collette's is kind of sitting there, both like weirded out, but also like kind of eye rolly. And then there's just like a lock of her hair just kind of blows, and she like mm. totally reacts to it. And I had to rewind it to be like, wait, what did, what did she react to? And then just getting so much out of a glass moving a little bit, yeah, like that's that's really effective. And then obviously when the chalk starts drawing, apparently that's all physical, that's all practical, and the effects team had to figure out mm. how to how to do that and like fitting a tiny magnet in there and all this other kind of stuff, which is awesome. Right. Apparently the, the house itself was actually built on a soundstage because they wanted to be able to remove walls as needed to get certain shots so they could shoot certain things like it was a dollhouse. Yeah. So that's yeah. where you have all of these different clear shots from different angles in like Peter's bedroom, for example, so they could just like, all right, we're going to take out this wall, shoot it like this. We're going to take out this wall, shoot it like that. Um, which I found really uh, effective. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that 
the sand scene gets a lot of you get a lot of tension out of it. And I feel like most usually if I watch a scene like that in a lot of movies, the tension just comes from me being like, Okay, just get to the jump scare. Like I know there's gonna be a jump scare, so can you just do the jump scare? Um but yeah. in this it was a genuine like, what's going on? Like what's happening? Where what it mm, mm. Um, I, I think when Hereditary came out, there's a some, I won't say blowback, but like one of the reasons I think some people didn't like it is because a lot of people, horror movies are paranormal activity. You know, it's, it's jump scares. It's like a bunch of teens get a truth or dare demon to bother them. And then they've got a truth or dare each other to death or whatever. And it's, it's jump scares. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. People with it's it's... scratchy fonts and their eyes are got creepypastas and whatever. And, and I don't think you have to be like movie. Not not that I'm implying you're saying this, but I don't think you have to be like condescending no, about people yeah. who like that. It's just like that's comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. That's like, all right, we get the formula. We know what's going to happen. We can be kind of like, oh, it's like a roller coaster. Like, I mean, no, it is. <laughs> there's it is. Your, there's your theme park ride, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> take take uh, take it up with the horror movies. No, but it, it really is. Yeah, like uh, Marty, I'll, I'll make a sequel to the Bye Bye Man. That's my <laughs> challenge to you. Did you right buy here, by right my now wife? on this podcast? I didn't the buy Bye Bye Driver. Wife. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, people. There are so many different types of horror movies. Some people watch them because they want to be scared, and some people they want to laugh, and they want to laugh at the movie, or they just kind of want to get like that adrenaline rush and not actually be scared, it, but just, yeah, like a roller coaster, exactly. It's it's like those, uh, you know, you see a lot of like trailers of, uh, you know, I don't know that this is really popular anymore, but I feel like they did this maybe for like the first Paranormal Activity. I'm not sure. Um, or you, you would have a movie trailer that's like, this movie is so scary, and it would show like, the the night vision sure, shots sure, yep. of theaters and people reacting be like oh and like throwing yeah, popcorn yeah. it's like that's a different experience than what you get out of something like this that is like i genuinely want you to be scared to sleep yeah. tonight and, exactly. and to like turn the lights off in your own home uh it's a little bit different yeah yeah and and i think so, so understandably i think some people just went into the movie expecting a different thing because their preference about horror movies and their familiar with familiarity with horror movies is just a different situation. Um, and with hereditary, I think it's like, and there are some jump scares. There are some moments of startlement, like the candle mm-hmm. flame jumping up. And I think there are parts like Tyler, or Alex, you mentioned where Tony Collette is behind Peter up on the wall. It takes you a while to notice she's there. Like even the second time around, knowing that was going to be a thing, I still had to look for her. And when I found her, I didn't necessarily like jump, but like, yeah. Internally, I was like, "Oh God, there she is!" Like it's yeah. so yeah. it's so disquieting. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which I like, but that's why you know you can watch the Bye Bye Man with with your pals and just pop some corn and have some laughs and get some adrenaline. I've never seen the Bye Bye Man. It's just an example of a movie, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, forty seven meters down uncaged. There's one, but sure. uh, but this one it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's a different kind of experience. Love actually. <laughs> I mean, depending on who you talk to, that movie's kind of scary. I love that movie. <laughs> um, I'm trying to do other like Game major of things. Eight. I'm sorry. Oh yes, Game of the Game of season eight. Eight. <laughs> Horrifying. Correct. In places. I'm trying to think of other things about Hereditary that so, merit discussion. Hmm? What I guess my my thought would be like big picture, 
Mm-hmm. What what did y'all get from this? In ter- like what? Because I'm I'm re- I'm still a little bit hung up on like what is what am I supposed to get out of that gotcha. fi- final scene with the cult? They've resurrected a demon. Uh, they I guess planned this for a very long time. They've been trying to make it happen for a very long time. What what, what would you say? thematically you got out of this or do you just think it's a very effective movie to like watch and experience and, and get this kind of sensation because I, th- I definitely think there's something to the idea um, of it being like an externalization of psychological horror and of people like losing their minds and, and yeah that sort of thing it's a lot like The Shining uh, mm. in a lot of ways and I think I had a very similar reaction to it that I did to The Shining um, just in terms of, like, I mean, for one, Alex, you were talking about, like, the house, uh, being not, like, a paranormal activity type thing, and yeah. it's more of just, like, he's walking around in this big empty house, and, and he's kind of creating, he being Jack, is creating in his mind this, uh, these terrifying images and things, um, and... Again, he's also going crazy while he's he's seeing all this stuff, and so I think the combination of all of that gave me the same feeling. But I also did not like love The Shining, <laughs> so I don't mm. know, like at least yeah. I haven't watched that in a while. Um, and, we and actually watched fair, that together I'm not, a while ago. I'm not the biggest fan of The Shining either. So. Sure, um, I haven't seen The Shining. <laughs> That's about yeah. the moon landing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I can see some of the, like, elements there, but I was having a hard time getting any sort of, like, cohesive idea. I mentioned to you guys that I really feel like this is... Uh, Aster seems to be a, a director that I would like to have a more diluted version of his vision to begin mm-hmm. with. Like, I'd like, I'd like the starter. Um, <laughs> a while ago, I talked about how I watched Eraserhead, and uh, that's, like, very different in terms of... Uh, full-on David Lynch action as compared to, like, Twin Peaks, which is where I started watching David Lynch stuff. Right. So all of that uh, allowed me to get to the point where I could watch Eraserhead without completely being like, I'm turning this off after 20 (laughs) minutes. Um, And and so maybe I just need to, like, maybe I need to watch Midsommar and uh, watch his movies that have not been released yet if he gets to a point where he explores some different ideas and, and get more of an idea for what he's what his like thoughts and goals are as a filmmaker. Um, again, not everything has to say something. Right. But I guess in this one in particular, it feels like there's so much and it's so dense and there's there's so many different like ideas being presented mm-hmm. uh, within this movie that I felt like I should have been getting more of a, a clear picture of why he made this movie. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know. I, the, what are y'all, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, I definitely, I think a lot of first features have that problem of like, this person has a lot of ideas and they just haven't gotten to a point where they're like, Oh, I know where, and, and he's made a bunch of short films, but his first, for his first feature, like I think it's something a lot of directors run into where, where they have so many ideas and they don't really know where to trim them and what to excise and stuff like that. Which is, I think, one of the most impressive things about Booksmart 
uh, Olivia mm-hmm. Wilde's feature debut is that it does not in any way feel like a feature. It is so focused and so direct yeah. and uh, wonderful. Um, but uh-huh. <laughs> I think that... Uh, for, okay, what I got out of it is I think really my, my knee-jerk thing that I got out of it is just an incredibly high level of craft. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the acting, the literal filmmaking of it. I think in terms of what he's doing, and this is pure conjecture, I think that it is just a pretty simple idea that he's just telling in a very complex and very uh, 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 I don't know the symbolic word. symbolic I guess but really just in a really good way like it's just a really 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 good version of <laughs> a family haunting movie which right. you know it, yeah which is a weird kind of in the way that the exorcist gave way to all of these pale like trashy exorcism movies that were just trying to be the exorcist but couldn't meet mm-hmm. up to it this is kind of the reverse we've had so many like <laughs> middling family movies ideas yeah that now a guy's like oh i'm gonna take this same concept and i'm just gonna do it really 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 well but at the same time yeah. i wonder for him like did he set out to just make a haunting movie and then go oh i can i'll work in some mental illness stuff and what can i do with that or was it he started out writing a movie about mental illness and then kind of found the horror thing through that? I have mm-hmm. no idea. I've not met him. But, uh, <laughs> and if I did, I don't know if that's immediately what I would ask him. I'd probably say, <laughs> oh, no, that I am going to finish that. Please, I'm trying to finish my pizza. Waiter, can you stop this man? He's trying to steal my pizza. Because <laughs> um, in this fiction, Ari Aster's trying to take my pizza. <laughs> sure. Just a little bit of, here comes the sequels theater. Um, but I <laughs> improv. I, <laughs> it's the Imp- call it in the biz. Exactly. Uh, I was using my acting. No, but I I I don't know because it, it doesn't seem to be setting out. The mental illness element almost seems more of context than it does of theme. You know what I mean? Um, maybe it is a movie that because it is so well crafted, it makes you think. Oh, is there some? Are there other meanings within this? I mean, which is not to suggest that it's shallow. I think I've said this on the show before. Like, mm. you don't have to be deep to be smart. Um, sure. And maybe this movie isn't necessarily deep. It's just really, really, really smart. Um, or I just can't hold my breath long enough to get down to where Ari Aster likes to swim. <laughs> Alex? Sure. Yeah, I'd say I'm in a similar spot. I think ultimately, like thematically what the movie's going for it's it's actually it's not super complicated um i mean i i just look at the title and it's like oh it's it's just about like a, a family that's just suffering from either mental illness or some sort of dramatic trauma mm-hmm. and how that just transcends one generation and i i think the end of the movie is just like it's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be tragic it's like oh they they couldn't escape this it's just like oh the, the things that happened long ago have just you know it's this domino effect where it's just like every generation is is screwed basically because of this um and they can't escape um that that that's kind of the the thematic read that i got out of the movie yeah i do kind of like not super complex or deep but that's that's kind of what what kind of kept me going um and i do i 
Yeah. yeah. And I do like that there's, there's not a scene in this movie where they all figure it out, and then they're like, we got to sure. fight that demon. Like, by the yeah. time Tony Collette has pretty much pieced together what's going on, she gets possessed. That, like... The characters oh, that, are that's why I love going going into the tragedy element of it. It's like yeah. it's it's already way too late. Like you can't, they can't yeah. stop. There's it no, they don't have a choice in this, you know. And yeah. and I guess Joan is maybe like the de facto leader of that cult, or at least someone who volunteered to like worm her way into this family. I think they do show. I think they do see a photo somewhere. There is an image in my mind, and I cannot remember what it's from. Uh, like what part of the movie it's from, but I believe there's a photo that shows the the grandmother as like queen, whoever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I feel like the idea is maybe that she's taken over or something. Something that, that maybe the grandmother was the leader, and right. maybe Joan is carrying out her orders or something to that effect. Yeah. Look, I think we should all just be happy that the demon wasn't named Bagul. Sure. <laughs> is that a reference? It is. Yeah, it's a, the Conjuring. Oh, movies I haven't that we conjuring. haven't seen. <laughs> or maybe it's not the Conjuring. Maybe it's Sinister. Or no, no, no. I think that might be. I, I can't tell you. I haven't seen it. Or that that one that Ethan Hawke's in. I feel I like think, it's Sinister, but I've not seen. I think any he's movies, in Sinister. So. Insidious is the other is the not Conjuring. The other James Wan horror movie with Patrick Wilson. <laughs> yeah, um, or like, is which, it Insidious? Two, wait, two of those have Patrick Wilson. One of them has Ethan Hawke. What yeah, are we doing? One day we'll <laughs> review them all and sort out uh, which yeah. ones are worth it. Uh, worth watching, and it may be that none of them are, except and they'll all be connected to the to the DCEU. Correct, um, that is accurate. Yeah, uh, did you guys did you guys catch in the uh, end credits how a letter from a person's name would drop down and pass on to the next name? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I, this is really. really I, I don't cool. know if I actually caught that. I might have been checked out at that point. <laughs> you were too busy um, hate tweeting. Yeah, I was like, all right, movie's over. Well, I, I feel this like ain't no MCU flick. <laughs> Tyler, to your, to your point and kind of why you might have been frustrated, let, let me ask this because I, I kind of like the tragic element of like there's really not much our characters can do to kind of escape the situation. Um, mm-hmm. I could see how that would be frustrating, and you know, for certain types of movies that would frustrate me because I tend to like very proactive characters, and if, yeah. if there's a, a logic to the situation, it's like they can actually figure it out. Like there's a set, there's rules. Um, I, I, does that kind of play into your frustrations with the movie at all? I think I think so. And you had mentioned you were you were talking about your Taiko is kind of like this family that's trapped in this this cycle, whether yeah. paranormal or whatever it may be. Um, I think, cause I think I'd, I had also messaged you guys at one point and said, this feels like a, a very well-made movie that, uh, is specifically designed to be the mm-hmm. opposite of everything I like to watch in a movie. Um, <laughs> just because I, I generally very much enjoy more, more optimistic or like that, at least a grain of hope or, or a kernel yeah. of, of hope. We had, uh, th- this is another, well, uh, to John, another Halloween, uh, spooky movie. Um, you had shown me Alex uh, Cabin in the Woods many a year ago Ooh, um, yeah. by our very good friend Joss Whedon, who has done nothing wrong ever in his life. Um, <laughs> and Drew Goddard. And, and Drew Goddard, who uh, is, I don't know, I, he probably has also done bad things because he's human, but I yeah. don't know of any of them, so you know what? Good on him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that was another movie that's that I did not really enjoy because... Uh, spoilers for Cabin in the Woods, I guess. When did that movie come out? 2012? 
Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, I mean, it's a very similar thing in that the ending of the movie is very much like... Uh, it's a very cynical ending. Yes. Uh, I think it's like a demon has come come alive. Literally like for, the ancient gods, yeah. Yeah. And, our, our, our little little uh, business of, of people running these, these horror situations, they fail to please the gods, which is supposed yes. to be a, a us when you're looking at it from, from a meta sense. And so our, our main characters are like, screw it. Let's let the world end. We don't yeah. – <laughs> if, if this is what we have to do to survive, then let's just all die. Maybe something better will come of it. And then the yeah. end of this, the gods destroying the earth. Yes. Um, and that was another one where I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, and, and so that's kind of, I think, also very much an element of this is that I, I just don't – and this is – why I keep bringing up like Ariaster's perspective is because I I want to get a better feel so I can understand where I like differ from him in terms of the, sure. like what, what what he's trying to put on the screen and like um, aside from the fact that he is uh, a filmmaker who has made profitable uh, successful critically uh, maybe not acclaimed but like movies that a lot of people like uh, and yeah. I have done nothing of the sort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the just like the general different outlooks um, is something that I'm very interested in this because I think there's a lot of it that didn't connect with me because it's not it's just so outside of like my sensibilities of like what I would normally watch um, or normally at least enjoy watching uh, and it, something I haven't really talked about is the fact that I never really enjoyed any of the characters you know mm-hmm. Alex, to your point about how they're they're not really proactive like. At no point was I really that invested in the characters and, and how they were doing and like if they were going to survive. Um, I was I was kind of uh, aside from the fact that I did really enjoy the acting. Um, I would, I did not find a lot of the characters particularly likable, uh, and so that was another another factor in that. Where I was just kind of like, I'm not I'm not super emotionally uh, invested in what's happening here. <laughs> um, but yeah. And the reason I I ask that about a more cohesive overall thing is just because I do think there's a lot of very interesting elements uh, that he plays around with in terms of, like, the dollhouse stuff and yeah. the miniatures. And, um, again, the fact that you have the coven and you have psychological uh, mental illness uh, concerns going on. Um, and the fact that there's a lot of stuff with uh, the naked brother boy in the school <laughs> and like <laughs> that's playing into because like also at the beginning of the movie um, we have Charlie taking a quiz uh, and she's like messing with her I think it's her inhaler or, or something um, yeah maybe and the teacher comes by and she's like hey let's let's put up the toy and, and you should take the quiz and she's like okay um and so, like, there's there seems to be a little bit of, like, oh, anxiety about school or, or something. So mm. I feel like there's a lot of parts just out on out on the table here. And I'm supposed to be connecting them, and I don't know how. <laughs> um, I, I think the school scene was, was just her being, like, just fraught because there's a demon in her. <laughs> you know, I don't know sure. if there was, if no, it was no, no, school. No, 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 I'm saying like... that in combination with the Peter stuff in the school. Oh, gotcha. Like, the fact that there's there's repeated elements, some of which are tropey. Uh, of both these characters uh, what, having anxiety or struggling or what you didn't want a subplot that ends like halfway through the movie of naked brother boy trying to flirt with a girl you know 
He I never, mean, it ends like he 20 never minutes gets to make out with her. <laughs> that was the whole reason he went to that party. Didn't even get to. That's the real tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> Darn yeah, you, I, peanut allergy. I do, I do agree about the whole lack of proactive characters. I think if this had been a bad movie, it would have opened with like a voiceover going, you know, my mother always told me about a prophecy sure. of a king named Payman. <laughs> But I think that, uh, but I'm I'm grateful that that didn't happen. Who are you? I'm Ray. Ray Payman. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Ray Hereditary. <laughs> Hereditary. <laughs> oh, that would've been great. Can we can we try to get can we can we agree right here to to continue to put some sort of Rise of Skywalker final scene joke in every. It's a secret podcast. I think we can you know, do it. I, I think, I think we, can we can do it. it. At least every franchise. I think I think <laughs> it'll really bring something. A little pizzazz. Um, yeah. And it would have been so much better if Rise of Skywalker ended with Palpatine just, like, sawing his neck off. <laughs> with <laughs> piano wire. <laughs> but, you know, to make it more Star Warsy, it would have been electric piano wire. And yeah. sparks everywhere. You know. And then after there, and then Rhea's like, I need to ask Luke for help. Luke? Luke? Hello, Luke? If, Hello. Her reaching, if her reaching out to the Jedi was the seance <laughs> scene, oh boy! If you can hear me, and you want to say yes, move the lightsaber a little bit to the right, okay? <laughs> and if it's no, move it the other way. Or, you know, the left. It's, it's Snoke. <laughs> Snoke is, when, when he's, I can feel the lightsaber moving. <laughs> and Kyle, uh, Hux and Kyler, and they're all in like their big meeting, and Hux just said like his arm shoots up. He's like, Hux, what do you, Hux, Hux, what do you, what do you need? And Hux just starts like bashing his face into the <laughs> into the thing, into the table. I oh, so. And so what I, you're saying is Ari Aster should have directed Rise of Skywalker. Well, that's what I, I think was, that's what we're all agreeing on, I was on, about right? to say, because um, I've only, again, I've only watched one of his movies, and he only has two movies for us to, like, consume as, right. as viewers in order to try and get a sense of his, his filmic sensibilities. Um, but just off a reading of this, um, <laughs> here come the sequel's uh, favorite character, Tom Bombadil, has a scene <laughs> in, in the book Lord of the Rings, uh, where uh, Frodo tries to give the ring to him and is like, oh, "You yeah. should, you should take it because you're powerful and you can keep it safe." And and he like puts it on and he doesn't turn it visible and he's just like, "I don't, I'm not affected by this. This is this is a fun little trinket, uh, but uh, you know it uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I'd probably lose it." Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. Uh, Ari Aster would react to someone trying to get him to direct a Star Wars movie. Like if, uh, <laughs> what's the I. I can't. I don't know why I can't remember her name. What's the Star Wars head lady right now? Oh, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy. There we go. Um, <laughs> I feel like if she was trying to like get him to do a Star Wars movie, he'd just be like, "What's a Star Wars?" What's... <laughs> hmm. Also, no, why is there? Also, why are we only eating salad? I'm supposed <laughs> to have a a plot with uh, characters that uh, the viewers where the viewers enjoy what happens to them at the end. Uh, I don't. That doesn't. I'm not following. <laughs> well, I shouldn't tell you that all the that about all the uh, Admiral Akbar references in Midsommar. 
<laughs> maybe maybe he's a huge Star Wars fan. I don't know. You never know. But Love I just I don't get the feeling he'd be he'd be very interested or suited <laughs> for <laughs> the old Star Wars. I looked him up. He is two years older than I am, so yeah. who knows? Who knows about what he what he there grew up go. watching? Oh, uh, I bet maybe he'll do Men in Black Five. <laughs> or a Power Rangers reboot. Yeah, let's do that one. I was about to say, wait, who did Men in Black 4? And then I got sad because Men in Black 4 happened and no one cared because it was bad. I want Gabriel Byrne to be a Power Ranger. (laughs) He's like, well, I have to get my my power coin from Zordon and then (sighs) pilot a Mastodon robot. Stop all those gooey guys. Tony Collette playing Rita Repulsa, though. Oh, my God. Don't tell me things I can't have. <laughs> She'd be so good. Uh, is there anything else about Hereditary, or are we wrapping up? I think I'm good. I think we can wrap Actually, up. Actually, here, here's a question to wrap up. Did the movie scare you? Because I, I will say that I was definitely unsettled and disturbed and made uncomfortable by it. But also, there are points where I, I would definitely say I was scared by this movie. Yeah. What was the last twenty minutes? Basically, when when the dad gets set on fire onwards, I sure. was terrified. I think yeah. for me, I had a pretty consistent like. This is very eerie. This is this sure. is making me unsettled. Like I don't the during specifically the scene where Peter's trying to walk around, um, and and figure out what's going on, and then he sees uh, Steve dead, and like that stuff. I think was scary because I kept expecting it to like do like a jump scare or mm. something to that effect. Right. Um, and so at that point, like I was ready to be scared and I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And then again, this, this kind of ties into what my worst thing was and, and what I've been talking about. It goes so quickly into like Tony Collette is, is running uh, and, and flying all over the place and going, going crazy. And like, I feel like it jumped <laughs> so hard that I kind of just switched gears to like, Oh, this is, this is just crazy. Okay. All right. Sounds like, I think I skipped scary because it, it bounced, it bounced across it uh, just for me, but it is, there is a lot of freaky imagery and stuff. Um, Yeah. I still don't know what I'm supposed to think about Peter's eyes. What's the deal with that? Because, like, we should we have the notebook, right, that mm-hmm. maybe Charlie, I guess it's Payton, oh, yeah. is drawing faces of him, and he's got the eyes through it. And then, we, like I mentioned, we have the scene where he's looking at the red treehouse, right. and he's got eye, red in his eyes. I don't know. I don't know. What, what is that? What's that about? Yeah, maybe it's supposed to be, like, P- Peter will, like, Peter's gone, like, the goal is to get Peter out of himself and then to fill him with pime, with payment. So then like we've seen him with his eyes all messed up. And then later we see him with the, with the light being reflected in his eyes. Like that is payment coming into him or to be like to forebode to foreshadow that. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I don't maybe know. So. Yeah. I I'd, I'd need to watch that again real closely to, to mm. get any sort of read beyond, I guess uh, we're foreshadowing, I guess too, too many things. <laughs> Do do yeah. less things, successful filmmaker Ari Aster. <laughs> Too many <It's> cucks. <laughs> well, any uh, what, what what about letter grades? What letter grades are we doing? Uh, I don't even, I don't even uh, know if I want to give this a grade. Like I don't I don't even know how I would parse that. Like it's so. <laughs> all right, all right. Tyler doesn't want to give it a grade. I'll go ahead. Uh, a plus. <laughs> a plus. Yeah, for me too. Yeah, same. 
Um, this, uh, yeah, I was thinking about it e- even after the first time I watched it. I was like, I think this is this and the thing are my two favorite horror movies. Yeah, um, things great. I don't know that this one I find it be just so well made and like I said the last 20 30 minutes are it's so effective um yeah yeah, I I think it's incredible so I so so my 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 dilemma right here all right is that usually my grades I can combine the enjoyment plus like the respect outside of trying to look outside of my personal biases to be like all right what what is the movie done here um and usually I can, like, combine these things in a way that I can, like, come to a conclusion. They're they're not so far off that I don't feel like I'm dealing with, like, two different grades. I can kind of use that to pinpoint. I can be like, okay, we're, they're both in the same letter grade range or so, and I can kind of filter down to a specific, a specific thing from there. But, like, I really did not enjoy <laughs> watching this, this film where, yeah. while also being, like, totally conscious of the fact that it's very well done. And so I just, I don't. I don't, like, just give it a C and call it a day. I don't, like, I don't want to give it. Like, come back to it. You can rate it. You um, can you can retcon your rating later. Maybe I maybe I'll have to sit on it. I don't want to give it like a like a B minus based yeah. on like oh you know I didn't enjoy it very much when I'm like that's not really like, this movie's not worse than whatever trash superhero movies I've given a B. Like, <laughs> look, it's... look. I I think I think we can all agree, and I'm just looking for arbitrary movies on the score sheet. I, I think we can agree that Tyler enjoyed the fourth Fast and Furious, just called Fast and Furious, more than Hereditary. Oh yes, I <laughs> better. Think movie. We can all agree that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I I had a better time watching it. <laughs> Tyler uh... thinks it's a better movie. Yeah, basically. <laughs> B might no. Um... Guys, John Cena, he, my brother, he's back, and he's been possessed by a demon called Payman. Now we got to give him some payback. Let's go. F9. <laughs> <laughs> Payment is coming. Payment um, is coming. I, and, and I've talked about this before, I think, because we've reviewed, like, more traditional <laughs> cinema as opposed to, like, yeah. superhero movies and what have you. Um, and, and run into the same problem of like, how do you grade something that is just working on a completely different level? Um, right. I mean, I, I think ultimately for, for now, uh, you can put me down for an A minus. That's, that's probably like a split the middle <laughs> thing. Again, yeah. that's going to come up with some weird, like, ah, yes, I think this is the same quality as like fast and fast five or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but let that set up because I do think there's some muddled stuff in here. I, th- I think, sure, ju- just at least from from my first watch, I felt like there was stuff that was not quite clear enough for me to get what the movie was tr- the effect the movie was trying to give me. So I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm just gonna say I think it's it's flawed, uh, and I think it's it's hard in particular for for me to enjoy and and those who have enjoyed other things that I enjoyed like if you if you feel like you align with my sensibilities uh I would if you're imagine, a Game of Thrones season eight apologist if you're a Game of Thrones season eight <laughs> apologist uh so yeah I mean I don't know that's where yeah. I'm at yeah I mean I'm I'm obviously going a plus I think that 
I mean, I, you know, I, I said everything in the preface about how it like is one of the things that helped me get into horror movies, but talking about it now, like I, I do seeing the fact that the plot maybe it doesn't possibly doesn't run as deep thematically as I would have originally assumed is something I've noticed. But even then, it just it, watching it even the second time around, there were so many elements and sequences where I was just like literally or internally just like shaking my head like. He did it. That's so. That's just good movie making. Like the the absolute madman. He did it. You know. Um, yeah. I just. I, it's. I think it's a very cool movie, and it's good stuff. Before we tell people about what we're doing next, do you guys have any spooky recommendations or non spooky? Doesn't have to be a spooky thing. Come yeah. on, Halloween's about a lot of stuff. But mostly spooky. Yeah. Any candy recommendations? No. <laughs> Don't get me started. Because I've I've got a few, but please, y'all go ahead of me if you have one. Yeah, I was. I, I've got a I've got a couple uh, spooky. J- just because you know we're uh, probably a lot of people sitting at home not not yep. being able to enjoy Halloween festivities. Uh, we are recording this on the thirtieth, Friday the thirtieth, and I'm going to try and crank it out tonight. Um, so if uh, if you if you listen to this either either Friday night or or maybe you. You know, make a nice Halloween breakfast and, and listen to your podcast. <laughs> I don't know, whatever your routine is. Um, my my recommendations, and I've not actually finished either of these things, but I, you also <laughs> would not be able to finish them in one day. So if you're if you're looking for something spooky to do on Halloween, um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a book and a video game. Um, Ooh, nice. So the uh, the video game I'm gonna throw out Alien Isolation. Uh, hey, yeah, tw- 2014 game that i think i hate but also love because <laughs> i feel the exact same way yes and alex uh remind me you you also have not finished this game for I've, like i've tried playing the campaign like three or four different times <laughs> and i've never beaten it i got i got close i think i had just like an hour or two left uh-huh. there's a there's a a surprise that happens later in the game and i was just like no, you can't do me like this. <laughs> yeah, I I don't even know if I'm maybe I'm like around the halfway mark, maybe not even that. Um I put probably 10 or so hours into it. Um the uh the game is basically you are sneaking around a ship uh that has an alien on it and also a lot of uh mean robots and uh some some mean dudes who are who are falling into lawlessness because the ship is falling apart and they don't have supplies and the aliens hunting them and all that stuff so you have uh the most useless revolver in video games uh (laughs) because you've got a gun and you cannot use it to hurt the alien the alien does not care about your bullets uh you can shoot people uh but then that's going to attract the alien um so you have to use it like super sparingly. Um, there are robots that move too fast, really, for you to be able to successfully kill them with the, with the gun. Uh, so, it, and it's a really fascinating way to do gameplay because so many games these days use stealth. Like that, that's just a thing that like mm-hmm. you're kind of almost expected to have in your game. Uh, if you've got like a flex- a game where you have flexible gameplay options about how to how to beat stuff, it's like oh you can sneak past people, um, and and it's it's so like routine uh, for so many big AAA games, where this one is 
such a distilled version of that where it's like you do not have the option to bail. Like you yep. can't get out of this if you're trying to sneak past the alien and he spots you. Um, there are a couple, like there are a handful of tools that you can use to try to like uh, give give yourself one more shot, but they're very hard to like pull off right there when the alien's trying to get you. Um, and basically the alien just ignores anything you're doing and, and, and murders you in horrible ways. And because there's no way to like mitigate that, there's no way to, uh, you know, he doesn't have a health bar, so you can't be like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm getting you down to a certain point. It's just either you succeed and you get to the place you want to get to, or you don't. Um, and it, it, I mean, it almost feels like the entire game is just a series of boss battles because it's like you're trying it and you fail, or maybe you succeed. <laughs> like there's no, <laughs> you know, there's no way to make your your life easier. Uh, you just have to do it, um, as opposed to like, I don't know, being able to because like if you get to the end of the thing versus getting halfway through, um, there's nothing stopping you from getting caught, like, a quarter of the way through the mission the next time. <laughs> so, like, it's it's right. just... It, it never loses the, the fear factor uh, because there's no recourse. There's no way to get out of getting getting killed by the alien or, or even sometimes the, uh, the androids. Um, and so, there, you know, the alien remains scary the entire time you're playing. Uh... And it's uh, it's well done. And also the safe states are super uh, mean because they're placed like five minutes apart in terms of how long it takes you to move from one save box mm. to the next. But the amount of time it will take you to actually successfully execute that and get past whatever is in your way might take you an hour. And that even includes like if you get to a point and there's a cutscene. And then you continue on and you, you die somewhere before you find the next save block. You have to go back to the beginning. So like, you know, you've made it farther than this, but you can't get back there because you keep dying. It's yep. just, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a brutal game. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, I mean, the, the AI is excellent, especially cause like the humans are quite dumb, uh, <laughs> and, and will not notice you like right, you know, under their nose, as long as you're, you're hiding just well enough away. But the alien is just like, he he will track you down from anywhere um even the the slightest hint will will set him on your uh, trail uh and so it's fun that like they they kind of work differently in that regard uh and yeah it's uh it's a really excellent game with some really good just like core mechanics it's a little bit dated now like i said it was 2014 i think so it's uh especially some of like the character models and like the cutscenes are a little rough but i don't I think that the actual gameplay is more than worth it to kind of ignore those facts. Um, so yeah, that's a good uh, spooky game. I'm I'm a big fan of Halloween. I, I have a lot of nostalgia for Halloween, and so things that yeah. evoke the same kind of feeling of like being a kid, hanging right. out with friends on Halloween, uh, always always uh, get me excited. And and that's one that playing it through this month, I've definitely felt like yeah, I'm this is this is it's spooky. And I like it. Um, nice. Tyler, then, I, I'm uh-huh. just I'm just glad you finally have your ideal Alien trilogy because now you can sure. just wipe <laughs> Alien Three from your mind and just be like it's Alien, Alien Isolation, and Aliens. You're not wrong. nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also apparently some good DLC that I've not played. I will say for Alien Isolation. Yes, uh, but I will. I, get I, I've, to I've it. played some of it. It's it's uh, quite fun. 
Um, so the other, my other quick recommendation is uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, uh, the novel. I've been, I've been reading that. I actually picked it up for Halloween last year and did not really get started on it. Um, probably will not have it finished through Halloween this year, but uh, it's really interesting to read. It's it's all composed of like diaries and letters and, yeah. and uh, newspaper clippings uh, about the characters that are involved. Uh, as Dracula tries to make his move from Transylvania to London and starts uh, impacting people's lives there. Um, and it's got all your class. Like, it, it really is amazing how much was preserved from that, like, how iconic this story is in terms of what's been translated into other vampire media. Um, because, mm-hmm. like, it's got your your vampires making other vampires by sucking their blood with the out of the neck. It's got your garlic is warding off vampires. Your crucifixes ward off vampires. You got to kill them with a wooden stake. Uh, they turn into the bats. Uh, like it, it, it's just got all the staples. Like, you, you know, you, it, it's amazing how much like it's stuck in people's brains. Yeah. And I think it's cause it's a really effective story. Like it's, it's really cool. Uh, I forget what the name for that is when you have a book that's like entirely composed of like diegetic material. Um, uh, epistolary, I think. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it's a really cool format and I think it's, it's, it does a good job of doling out information to you and how you kind of learn about what happened to certain characters. Uh, cause like the beginning section is you've got one character who's in Transylvania and is like trapped in Dracula's castle and he's writing a diary. You don't really find out what happened to him until a lot later. Uh, so it's neat. Um, nice. And I don't know what I have if I have any other thoughts on it, other than <laughs> if you if you want to sit down with a good book, I would say, you know, at this point, probably have to find it on digital or whatever, unless you want to venture to the bookstore, to your to your old Barnes and Noble, <laughs> and uh, crack open Dracula. That's yeah, I've been wanting book. to read that for for a while. I'm I'm glad to hear that because I have certainly I haven't read a lot of classic literature, but I've been really wanting to check that out. Uh, Alex, you got anything? Yeah, I watched the first episode of the HBO show. I know this much is true, starring Mark oh. Ruffalo. Um, so continuing the theme of uh, severe family trauma, <laughs> <laughs> got an Emmy for uh, that. Mark Ruffalo did. Yeah, I've only watched the first episode. Um, it's about uh, Mark Ruffalo plays twins, uh, one of which has like severe mental issues um, mm. and kind of grappling. The, the other brother having to grapple with that, and then also just like lots of tragedy in his life and his, you know, his, his rough upbringing. Um, rough his relationship. Upbringing. What? <laughs> Ruffalo upbringing. Continue. There you go. Uh, and his relationship with his parents. Um, Melissa Leo's in it, and she's really good as well, as per usual. Um, yeah, just just really good. Um, I don't know if I will be able to watch it like consistently, or if it's just something I'll return to every once in a while, because it's quite sad and quite tragic, and uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty intense. Sure. So nice. There you go. Uh, well, I've got a couple. The first is actually a plug. Um, it's a great way to power your devices. No, um, this is a plug for a new podcast called The Marketer's Cut. This is a podcast made by my dear, dear friends, Alyssa and Logan. Um, they are an engaged couple, and they are—they both work in marketing. And, and it is an engaging couple. And an enga- no, you know what, Tyler? You're right. <laughs> um, they are uh, both, they both work in marketing, and it is a movie about—or excuse me, it's a podcast about <laughs> movies 
and their marketing. And so each episode they take uh, a modern movie and talk about uh, where the marketing went right, where it went wrong. And they also do a throwback movie to kind of talk about how uh, marketing has changed over the years. Uh, I'm really stoked for it. Alyssa and Logan are very, very funny people, very, very sweet people, very, very smart people. And this is a, a side of the movie world that I'm that we're all influenced by, but not all of us are really familiar with. I would say, Alex, you probably have the most knowledge about this just in the, the three of us, among the three of us. So I'm really, really excited to hear them talk about it. Um, and I, I listened to their little, like, minute preview intro episode and got a little choked up because I realized how long it's been since I've heard either of their voices. Um, but they're wonderful people, so I highly recommend you guys all uh, follow them, and you can find them in all the podcast places, The Marketer's Cut. But for my recommendations, I'm also going to recommend a book, uh, also a vampire book. It is uh, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend novella. Ooh, good choice. <laughs> oh, man. The, the Will Smith movie, of course, is very, you know, big Hollywood you know, blockbuster, one-man-in-the-apocalypse kind of deal. Uh, but the book is a much more elegy of loneliness and much more elegiac story of loneliness and one man trying to figure out why he is still pushing what he's pushing for how he's going to go about that push um it's really interestingly conceived the way it kind of weaves in a lot of the traditions that tyler was talking about with with some some new ideas and it's also just beautifully written. Just the prose is lovely. And it's a novella, so it's like less than 200 pages. Hmm. Um, so I highly recommend Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. It's a really lovely. Uh, and and I don't know if it's scary, but it's it's haunting in a different way. Um, and speaking of not really scary stuff, Hereditary is a movie that is very serious and very nihilistic and very dark. I'm going to recommend a great movie for Halloween that I just finally watched that is none of those things, and it's called Gremlins 2, The New Batch. <laughs> this is... Uh, a lot of movies are described as live-action cartoons. This may be the only movie that I feel actually lives up to that. It is <laughs> wacky and daffy and so silly, and uh, I just found it so much fun. It is like an hour and 46 and it just flew by it's uh you, you've seen gremlins well this is the next one um and it's essentially it's like a satire of gremlins and also a satire of movie sequels uh christopher lee is in it uh so that's always fun and the puppet effects the creature effects are amazing like they are jim henson level realist realism and like not in terms of like oh, that's what a thing would actually look like in the real world, but rather that thing looks... It doesn't look like a puppet. That looks like a creature. With these really great creature designs, yes, there is a spider gremlin, um, so you know I was happy. And it's 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 a movie that you just kind of surrender to, and you're like, I'm just, we're just here now. This is crazy. It doesn't take too long to get going, and once it goes, it just keeps rolling. It is... I watched it on HBO Max. It might be leaving soon, so don't sleep. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed watching Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Sure. Directed by Joe Dante. Yeah, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
What are you guys dressing up as for Halloween? I don't know. I'm 32. I, I'm just, I don't know. Loneliness. Tyler, how can they find us? <laughs> well, before you do that, though, do do we want to tell people what... Because we're getting back into movie franchises. Do we want to tell yes, them what we're doing next or let it be a surprise? Uh, we can we can hold off, I think. Maybe we can, sure. we can drop it. Shadow drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we, we are getting precious. back... We're getting back to our mission statement. We are going about to pick up a new movie franchise. Oh yeah! I'm trying to think of a good like hint I can throw up there, but I don't. I feel like it's just going to make it obvious, so I'm not going to do it. Um, There's more than us. one of them. <laughs> Tyler, how can they find us? You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at hctsequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify on all of those things. I hope you guys all have a safe and appropriately spooky Halloween. Good spooky, not, you know, pandemic spooky. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back at you soon. I've been a pile of bones. I've, I've been the bye-bye man. <laughs> I've been Tyler. And <laughs> you're having a good night. I think there was a skit we're supposed to say at the end of this, but I don't remember what it is. Happy Halloween. Any questions?